Hello and thanks for joining me on another episode of Zov Talks. Today we've got a great guest on, Krian, and we're going to be talking to him about different countries, moving between countries, what you should think about, the tips and tricks that might help you because he's done it a number of times. He's moved a few times, more than a few, maybe four or five times between countries. And Krian is a former payroll accountant, a teacher, public relations consultant. So he's got a multitude of experience that we can touch on. So we're going to introduce him. We have introduced him, but I'll do a quick little intro, four second intro, and then we'll go back to Krian. Hello, Krian. How are you today? Good, good, good. A, l- a little bit warm here in Taiwan, but pretty good. Excellent. So already we've got something there. You're in Thailand at the moment. So you've where did you where do you originally come from? Uh, Taiwan, Taiwan. Ah, okay. So you mentioned you've traveled a few oh, countries. No, no, I'm originally from South Africa, but I'm in Taiwan, not Thailand. Oh, Taiwan. Yes. Okay. So you're in Taiwan at the moment. You're yes. originally from South Africa. You've Correct. traveled in between that a few times. Just yes. to start yes. off, can you give us what is your main tip for traveling multitude of countries and What's the longest country you've stayed in? It, that would be Taiwan. Um, I've lived in Taiwan uh, this past September. Would have been my this will be my fourteenth year in Taiwan. Uh, my main tip for for just moving between countries is like living here in Taiwan or living in Korea. I think if you come from an English speaking country, you're fine. But if you're moving to a place where people don't speak English, I think my my best tip I always tell people who come to Taiwan. Like as a new arrival, is you have to adapt. You have to let go of where you come from. You have to do the things Taiwanese people do. If it's Taiwan or wherever you are, like do the things that they do, speak the way they speak, think the way they speak, and I think that allows you to sort of be happiest. The I guess the greatest amount of happiness, attain the greatest amount of happiness you could possibly have, living far away from where you were born. Okay, so. That's a great introduction into that. Going to it further, in terms of the listeners we've got and what they'll be expecting, I'm thinking along the lines of someone's currently successful in their country. They're thinking about moving to another country to maybe benefit from success there. How would that tie in with your current role? What you do and how you've progressed between countries? What was the reason you moved between those countries? Um, for me, in, in the beginning, was just education. Um, I I didn't even. I did my final high school exams in South Africa, and actually, those didn't matter because I'd already done the the old version of the SAT for studying in the states. So um, I went to the states for a bunch, and then, uh, like most people know in the states, right? If you want to stay in the states after you finish school, you've got two options. One is called uh, OPT, which is op- optional practical training. Um, it's a year to two years, depending on masters or bachelors. And with that period, your company has to apply for you to get a green card. As everyone knows as well, like from the Bush years to the Obama years to the Trump years, it sort of varies between seventy-five to one hundred and fifty thousand green cards every year. Most of those go to IBM, Google, Facebook, etc. All the tech jobs, um, that sort of stuff. Um, so Sorry, I did. So to interrupt you there. Uh, I'm quite curious. So when you're talking and something triggers me, I will interrupt you. So I'm apologizing in advance. No problem. In, America. So there's some assumed knowledge there. So not everybody listening will know this route that you talked about. So, for example, if I'm currently in my current country, if I have a company, I can move to another country as part of a program. Is that what you mean? 
Um, I, I'm, uh, I mean, this is from a, a student perspective. From okay. a company perspective, I think most people would know, most companies have like a, an investment visa. We have to put in a certain amount of capital, right? It ranges like in Taiwan, I guess in Taiwan, it's about 50K US. I remember when I was living in the States, it's about half a million US. Um, I think Ireland, uh, Southern Ireland anyway, uh, is about 80,000 euros. Um, again, these are all the places I've lived in, so uh, which is why I'm aware. But yeah, no, if, if you want to move to a country and you're not a student or you're not getting married, um, you have to do an investment visa. There are options in other places. Um, a, a good example is Portugal. At the end of this month, it starts a digital nomad visa, which works perfectly for people who are working at home. If you're making, I think it's it's 2750 US dollars and up, you can go and stay in Portugal for one year and you renew your visa every year for five years. After five years, you get a Portuguese uh, permanent residency and then, or, and you can also get a po Portuguese passport. So that is a, another option for people to move around if you want to move to the EU, for example. So you're talking from student point of view. So that would be someone that's going to another country to study to get an, a qualification. Correct. Correct. Okay. So as a teacher, have you transferred between those countries teaching and as a, like a professional is that a different process to what the students would need to go through yes so definitely as a professional again in most countries including taiwan the states if somebody in that country hires you they have to say why they couldn't hire a local person an american person or an english person if in england or a korean person in korea or a taiwanese person in taiwan um, i only started teaching in korea um, before that i was a payroll accountant in the states and I, I think I did my master's in Ireland. Um, so b before that, yeah, I, I've never transferred between countries professionally. Okay. So there's kind of three main parts there that I've gathered from what you've said. You're either a student going to study, you're either a teacher, and someone's calling you over to say, okay, you're going to come to my country to do X, or you're a company and you want to go there for benefit of purposes. That's like a few areas, depending on which listener, uh, where you fall within that. You have to look at different criteria. Exactly, exactly. Okay, correct. So once you go through that criteria, you get your ticket, you book it, you get to the country. Is there anything that you think is worth knowing for someone going to a new country? Because you've done quite a bit of traveling, apart from the points you mentioned about fitting in and using their type of, uh, well, what would you say, their type of work life, their type of living environment, so you kind of fit in. Adapting to culture. Yeah. So is there anything else in addition to that, that someone listening needs to think about the logistics of it? This is more making sure that if they're listening, they can in their mind picture the process from start to finish. Um, I would say just being prepared, like monetary wise, making sure you have enough money because things happen whenever you move to a new country, especially if you're moving from east to west or you know west to east. Um, when I moved to Korea, I was sick. And, and again, at that point, the school I was at, there were like 13 other foreigners. They're like, yeah, uh, everyone who comes here gets sick for like the first month, right, for like 30 days or so. Um, so again, that's going to happen guaranteed because different gut bacteria, different dietary habits, uh, you get sick. Um, so you got to be prepared for that. Be prepared for the weather, of course. I would say, I guess basically what I would say is make sure you do adequate research. I mean, the wonderful thing of the internet is right, there's so many YouTube videos, watch so many podcasts like yours you can listen to where you can sort of gather as much information as possible and then come up with a plan so that you're 
I would say 70% prepared because no one's going to be 100% prepared. It's, it's you can't foresee the future. Okay, that's some great points mentioned there. In addition to that, preparing for that, if you're going to be traveling to another country, if you're coming from like a country where like we are in the UK, we've got NHS, we don't have to worry about as much about covering ourselves. But a big point there is if you get sick, is there something you need to make sure you've got in place before you're traveling so that you're not going to have to pay lots of money? Or how does that work for someone coming into a country as opposed to a resident of the country? So that, again, would come down to research. Some countries, like, would be expensive. But uh, when I was sick in Korea, um, I, I remember at that point, my uh, school had not applied for my, again, Korea. Most of Asia has national health insurance, like you guys have the mm -hmm. NHS. Um, and I was like, they were like, okay, you're going to have to go to the doctor. It's going to be a little bit expensive. And for them, a little bit expensive would have been from like five US dollars to 10 US dollars to see a doctor and get medicine. That is the okay. difference. Yeah. So it's definitely, I mean, that is something I did not do. So it's, it's one of the things, if I had to move again, I would definitely research medical costs when moving to another country. Um, but definitely, have yeah. You, have you got any resources for that? Because that sounds like a good point to start with. Because I would think if I'm traveling somewhere, the first thing I tend to think is if I'm not well, I want to make sure I'm cared for or there's a plan there. Is there some resources you think would be a good point, like specifically like a certain site or a certain type of insurance plan or something that you're familiar with that you've used maybe? Um, when I moved to Korea or Taiwan, I did not have uh, insurance beforehand. And then again, like I would say most insurance schemes are, they're, they're not going to help you deal with the impact of paying money when you're in Korea or in Taiwan or, or in another country. Um, I would say, like, if you want to look up good insurance, and I've, I've actually never done this, is um, there's a website, which Zulf, I can send you a link uh, after we're done recording today, and you can include that in the show notes if you want. Um, it's it's a link I use like like because uh, my wife and I were thinking about the whole Portugal digital nomad visa, mm -hmm. you know, especially living close to China. You know, and recently this year, you know, China and Taiwan having issues. We we're like, okay, if if stuff goes bad, we should have another option. Um, so, like 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 in that side, and then in that side, it compares medical costs and food costs and water and everything, and it has a really cool list. Um, I don't remember the name offhand, but it's it's one of the pop probably one of the most popular comparative sites for when you're moving between countries, insurance, rent, mortgages, banking, all that sort of stuff. Okay, that would be really good because I think we're looking from this of the point of view, someone's thinking about moving countries. They're not sure what it entails. So they're going to search and find this podcast. I want them to have some type of starting point Obviously, we're not offering advice or suggesting a site is better than the other. We're just giving them a starting point that they can start with and then do research to find what works best for them. So definitely we'll include that link in the show notes to give you a point, a suggestion of where you can look. Because I think this is, these are things that needs to be created so they're somewhere where they can actually easily find them and then obviously find which direction they go. It might just be a thought that you're thinking about moving to another country. You may not actually do it, but doing the research and then later life, you might have a suggestion or an idea to do it. You've already done some of the research, so you know the route to follow. So that's really helpful. Thank you. That would be great for that uh, note. We'll put that in the show notes as, as well as all the details to get in touch with you and we're doing more talking about your projects later on. Um, also, touching on the fact what you mentioned there, if we're moving to a country and we're planning to stay there for a while, accommodation-wise, is there like a, a better solution for longer-term accommodation rather than like a B&B &B or a hotel or something? Um, 
again in in if you move into asia most asian countries um especially i would you know what, what people would classify as the first world asian countries right korea japan taiwan um in order to rent an apartment it, it's something the phrase is different in the local language but it's called key money um, and key money is usually a sizable amount of money like we're not um, would be a thousand pounds and up, right? As a deposit, mm-hmm. right? Beyond the first month, last month, and deposit money. So you're putting in a fair amount of money. Um, so usually, what happens here, if you're working for a company in Taiwan, Korea, Japan, your company will pay for accommodation for you, and they will put down the key money. So um, and, and usually, they will actually pay for your apartment. Um, given the the state of the global economy at the moment, probably. Um, that that benefit might not exist at the moment, but usually that is the case. Um, if you're looking for accommodation, though, um, generally, like if you come on a British passport, an American, um, what, what what happens in this side of the world is a lot of people come here, they look for a job then, and then you convert yourself into a work visa. So then you sort of stuck with an Airbnb um, or a hotel or a motel or a, um, what is that, like a backpacking lodge? I forgot what the English word for that is. Um, but yeah. Uh, stuff like that. Yeah, unfortunately, there's no better choice out in Asia beyond those options. Okay, interesting. So you're asking me a nice starting point around this subject. Um, looking at that, thinking about it, when you're out there working and you've got a day-to-day routine, how do you balance that with coming from another country, like a work-life balance kind of arena for maybe going to another country? Is that something you've had much experience with, especially with the multitude of roles you've done? That is an issue I have struggled and a very good question. Um, it, it is a question that forces people to leave Asia a lot. I've had um, f- friends, coworkers come to Taiwan. They work here for six months. They can't handle the work-life balance because um, everyone's seen it. You know, they've, they've heard about Japan. They've heard about Korea, Taiwan. It is like that. Um, the, the Chinese word is jaban, which is like extra work in English. Um, and like my wife, for example, when we first started dating, um, she would send me messages after nine because she got to work at 8 a.m. and she just got home at 9 p.m. and that was normal. And there's no extra work. There's no extra overtime pay or anything like that. Uh, that's expected. Uh, one of a good friends of mine, I introduced her because when I shifted to working in crypto, I introduced her to my previous job working public relations. And she's like a... 25-year-old Taiwanese woman, you know, and, and that is the generation where like, okay, I know how Western people work. Why do I have to work like this? Um, so it's something I struggle with. It's one of the reasons I changed to my current job working for an American Swiss company um, because uh, when I was working in teach as a teacher in public relations, right, it was you're, you're working six, seven days a week. You're on call all the time. Um, it's just life is very busy here, and I sort of, I do miss the laid-back Western life. So what does the public relations entail? What kind of like duties would that mean? What's the typical day with that role? So a, a, a typical day would be, and for most of the job, I only had to go into the office uh, twice, three times a week. I, I was lucky to be able to work from home sometime. Um, but what, what that would involve is, um, in, in my particular role, but generally public relations involves picking, pitching articles to magazines, meeting with clients, 
um, in my particular role was uh, doing some translation from Chinese to English, uh, pitching stories to architecture magazines. Um, a lot of preparation for my boss at the time is to sort of say, hey, this is the words you can say. This is what you can't say. This is how you should dress. This is how you should sit. Um, these, are the, these are the things that are, are the key points at the moment, so the vernacular in architecture. Um, it's sort of uh, half, maybe 30% writing, 30% uh, media preparation, uh, maybe another 30% um, pitching stuff to people. Okay, that sounds good. So I think depending on the types of roles, it's easy to move between countries and do a similar thing. But it sounds like you've got quite a lot of experience with the translation side of things as well. So that's helping you. Um, so going forwards... Where do you see yourself? Are you happy where you are now? Or are you planning to move to another country soon? Um, going back to what I said about, you know, just the sort of political tensions here. I'm, I'm happy where I am. I love Taiwan. Taiwan is, I grew up pre-apartheid in South Africa, and most English people will know what that means, right? Um, is you were in a place and you didn't meet anybody else other than the people of your skin color, right? So I'm I'm ethnically Indian, Right. Um, I saw people like Zulf and myself most of my life until 1990, right? I, I'd never met a black person or a white person before that. And then after 1990, um, the former president was like, okay, if you're a person of color and you're certain occupational standing, you get to move out of your segregated neighborhood. Um, but, but why I mentioned that is, is I never felt that sort of messed with myself growing up. Um, I never felt at home in South Africa, but I feel at home in Taiwan, um, the people, despite not speaking really amazing Chinese, I still enjoy it here and love it here. People are super nice and very friendly. Um, I would still consider moving just because of political tensions, but that would be like a last-ditch effort. I'll still stay here until the missiles start falling. You know, knock on wood, that doesn't happen. Mm. Um, yeah, so if, if I did move, it would be to probably to Portugal, uh, maybe to South Africa, and maybe some other places there. The world is, is quite wide and open, so there are lots of choices. And I think it also depends on the type of person you are, because some people can easily adapt to moving around. Some people more like to have like a hub where they can go back to each time and have familiarity. But it's important to see what fits best for you. And this information helps you to make that decision, because a lot of the listeners will be thinking about this journey. There's a more of an emotional side to this as well. It's not only you're going there to work. You've got the whole family side of it. If you're leaving family behind, if you've got access to people that can help you, how have you find adapting to another country and leaving behind the people you know? Um, I, and again, I left home when I was 17. My 18th birthday was on the plane, I remember. Um, again, like most, I'm, I'm, I'm a middle son. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, the oldest son gets all the attention. The, the youngest son gets all the attention. The middle son is usually the ignored son. And, and it was not like, my mom did a great job. Um, I, 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 I've never, like, as a rebellious middle child, you know, I did not miss my family very much. That is sort of like a maturity thing. I think that happens to a lot of people. Um, only probably after 30, I started to miss my family. Less South Africa where I was born, but more my, my two brothers, you know, because um, I'm a big gamer. I love playing computer games, and my brothers and I, we all love the same thing, you know. And so I, I miss that experience. Um I miss uh, my mom's cooking, of course. Every son misses their mother's cooking. So, yeah, yeah, definitely miss my family for sure. 
Okay, that's great. What we'll do now is we'll go to a quick mid-roll and then we'll come back and carry on speaking to Crayon with some tips about travelling. So a few tips that he would give for someone thinking about this route. So we'll be back just after this. You're listening to Zolf Talks, a podcast answering those questions we've all got in our minds. The day-to-day things we think about and the challenges we face. Be sure to reach out on social media if you have any questions about the topics we're speaking about today. And let's continue with the show. So thanks for joining me back again. We're with Crean at the moment. We've done a few different topics, thinking about moving countries. I think it's time now we get a few solid tips and then we can go a bit more into the background of Crean and what he's doing at the moment, the projects he's working on. So what would you say if you were to say maybe four or five top tips? If I'm thinking about moving countries, what would be those five t- tips that you would give me? So if you were thinking about moving countries, I would research food. Um, one of the number one complaints living in Asia, not even living in Asia, like moving around, I find is um, from people I've lived with, other foreigners in in the in the country had been is like they dislike the food, and that is a big thing because you have to eat three times a day, maybe two times a day or one time a day if you're lucky, but you have to eat right. And if you don't like the food, that's going to add to your dissatisfaction. Um, as much as you can think, you, you and again, this might be one of the things that you might be able to cook or something like that. But again, you have to factor that all in. But definitely food. Research what the food is like. Are you a spicy person? Are you not a spicy person? Can you adapt? If you can't, check. Go on to the next thing. Um, definitely research the medical system, health insurance, what you have to pay. How like What are your existing conditions? Can you deal with those existing conditions in the new country? If the new country's language is not English, you should definitely... Uh, prepare some things, information in uh, whatever the native language is, because even, even in Taiwan, you'll meet most doctors can speak some kind of English, but generally speaking, stuff in Chinese in some places will definitely help you get a lot further. So food, research health system, and your own conditions as well. Uh, number three as well, I would research accommodation. Accommodation is definitely a huge, huge, huge thing. Um, as I mentioned, key money in Asia, being safe, um, how people live. Some, I mean, the way people live in different countries is different. Um, in, in Asia as well, it's a very communalistic style society. So um, it's not where you, there's nobody in my apartment building who plays music after 10 p.m. Because, again, you, we live in harmony. And so there, there's no like, okay, this is my music, this is my house, I can live the way I want to. You have to be able to adapt to the way society works. So definitely research accommodation and the rules behind such accommodation. Um, and number four, I would say is, um, a mistake I made living in different countries is research a way for you to um, invest in your retirement. Because as you're moving between countries, you're not doing like a pension scheme or a 401k in the States, right? So you should have some sort of way for you to invest the money that you're making as you're moving between countries um, because there are ways for you to carry across a pension or a 401k if you do leave the States or England or South Africa, for example. It is very difficult. I think a much more efficient ways for you to create your own investment scheme and then um, invest into that and don't be like a lot of people my age who have moved around a lot, just start investing when you're a bit too old, I would say. Okay, so when you say 401k, is that an equivalent to a cash ice in the UK where you put money away into a savings account, it's tax-free? Correct, exactly. Okay. That That is okay. the American equivalent. Okay, that's great. Those were some great tips and some that I didn't think about. So thank you for that because health system, food, accommodation and retirement, 
is a key factor and some of those people won't think about when they're moving they might not think about retirement but that is a long-term thing you want to have in place so you're safe when you're getting on basically so exactly. i think that's a nice overview of the countries we're going to go into a bit more details about yourself now and look at what you're working on at the moment and projects that you'd like to share because i know you've got a wealth of knowledge so maybe it'll be multi-episode, maybe another episode specifically dedicated to some of this because you do quite a lot with crypto, you're doing some educational things. So what are you currently working on? So I'm a full-time community manager at a company called Omen Tokens. Um, our parent company is 21Co. We are the, uh, 21Co is the largest ETF, uh, exchange-traded fund, or in Europe it's called the ETP, exchange-traded product company in the world, and we sell... Um, to make it easy for people, right? Like, if you want to buy crypto, right? You, it's pretty complicated. You have to sign up for a Coinbase or a Kraken or a Gemini account. Um, it, it's, it's a little bit technical, but this allows you to buy crypto on a stock exchange, which most people have a broker or some online exchange like Robinhood or something like that. Um, that is that is what we do, and uh, yeah, that that's my main role. I do one. I teach a, a an English class for grade two elementary school, school students once a week, um, just to help a friend out for my offline. Um, that's really fun. I like kids. I don't have kids, but I like kids. Um, um, and then another third thing is I still consult at my previous employer um, once a week or so, depending when I have time, um, because uh, a lot of the company's direction at the moment is, is due to my suggestion when I first joined. So I still go in to talk to my former boss and say, just check to see how the direction is going. And there's also mention about podcasting and you do quite a lot there. Have you got a podcast you regularly support or provide yeah, content yeah, on? Yeah. This is the, the background you guys see is uh, for the company I work for. I do a crypto podcast twice a week. Um, I should have mentioned that first. Uh, but yeah, um, I do a new show Tuesdays. So it comes out Tuesdays. I should record Mondays. And I do an interview with various CEOs who work in Web3, crypto, NFT land um, every Friday. So because we've touched on that, crypto is a very interesting area, very complicated to people who don't know it. If you were to summarize crypto to someone who's probably heard it everywhere, but you're like, oh, that's not for me, it's too risky. What would be a good summary of what people think? Um, I would say crypto, like, like the, the shortest summary I can say is crypto is a decentralized money computer, I guess, is, is a good way to sort of summarize the current state of crypto at the moment. Um, and more from the point of view of people thinking about investing in it, because some people might have uh, index funds, they've got a few uh, retirement pension SIP plans, things like that, but they've not really touched crypto. What would you say to those people? And is there a way they can maybe taste crypto without the risk or see if it is for them? Sure. Um, there is a lot of way. And again, I have to preface this because um, just like on my normal podcast, I have to say not financial advice. Yep. Um, I... There are things called stable coins. So you have a stable British pound, you have a stable US dollar. Um, that is the easiest way to touch crypto. Um, the, the two biggest companies in the world are uh, USDT, which is called Tether, um, USDC, which is another bill, they're both billion dollar companies. So they have a thing called stable coins. Stable coins are um, one USDT for one actual physical dollar that they hold in a bank somewhere. Um, that is a, a fantastic way to get started because that the price doesn't vary. It's always going to match the, 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 the price of the dollar, the price of the pound. And 
Um, the cool things about crypto is you can deposit that in some places and at a minimum you'd get from 2% interest all the way up to 22% on like dollars, right? Just physical dollars that um, you can take it out and exchange it back into whatever your native currency is. So I think getting started with stable coins is definitely the, the, the best place for people to get started because you're not dealing with the volatility that most people associate with crypto. That's a great starting point. So thinking about that, do you have to be a certain mindset to be in crypto? Because if someone's a very relaxed person, will this make them very checking their phone constantly? Oh, have I gone up? Have I gone down? Will this cause them emotional stress? Or is there is that part and parcel of having crypto? I would say this applies to the stock market as well. Like I have a, a stock market account on my phone. I have a crypto market account. Um, you know, the, the stock market and the crypto market have been sort of tapering downwards since beginning early, maybe mid-March, April this year. And then I think like most people, right, you're like, okay, this is not going anywhere. You know, the war in Ukraine, uh, inflation, COVID stuff, supply shocks, it's all not doing great for the global economy. So it's just like anybody else, right? You check your phone less because you know it's not going anywhere. But in a bull market, yeah. I remember last year's bull market of 2020, I'm like checking my phone multiple times a day in crypto, in the stock market. So I, I think it's the experience is not too far off from the stock market. The big difference is that crypto can move faster than the stock market. Google is going to go from, not going to go from $100 a share to $2,000 a share in a day. But Bitcoin could go from 20K to 42K in a day, for sure. Okay, so that's interesting. Now, is there a certain split that would be a good option? So for example, personally for yourself, are you investing like, a certain percentage towards safe index type funds and putting a bit of money aside for crypto and do you have any not suggestions but what are you currently investing in index funds or what are the best ones you currently like the sound of just so that our listeners have an idea of what is out there so um i do indexes but i do indexes for crypto um so about 30 percent of my portfolio is about that and again just 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 me right everyone should do their own research figure out what is best for them um i have a bunch probably i'm a bit top heavy at the moment like most people um when we have a bear market they probably sell some of their riskier assets again this is stock market and in crypto as well and then i've gone mostly into bitcoin and ethereum which is the second largest cryptocurrency um, on the stock market i've generally sort of moved into uh, dividend paying stocks um, and moved away from the tech sector. So um, uh, like sort of sold some positions in Google, um, sold some positions in Apple and moved more into like these like no name companies. One is a, a natural gas company in America, but they pay out dividends. Johnson & Johnson, another famous company, they pay out uh, constant dividends as well. And just sort of preparing for, you know, what the IMF, the World Bank have said 2023 is going to be uh, not the greatest year, unfortunately. Okay, great. I think that's a nice overview into what you do and the areas you're passionate about. So to summarize, basically, we've done a quite a bit of talking about countries there and it's had a nice impact into the life you've got. We've talked a little bit about finances because we do quite a lot of finance talk on the channel as well. Um, so a lot of people are probably listening to this on the podcast. We are actually live streaming this at the moment to Reddit as well. I'm currently 60 people watching. So hello to Reddit. Thank you, everybody listening. Hey, if you Reddit. have any questions, you can drop them in chat. Um, and just coming back to the show, if you're watching this on a device where you can see video, uh, Kriyan, you're wearing some headphones there. I have uh, I wear glasses, so do you. How do you find headphones with glasses? Because I see that 
they kind of impede. So are you happy with those headphones? Are they working well for you? They are. Um, these are um, actually really cheap. Uh, these are the Razer Black Adder, uh, Black Shark V1s. Um, mm-hmm. They're actually gaming headphones that I, I cut off the microphone because I have, uh, you know, like you do, a nice microphone yeah. here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I cut off the microphone, but I like these because, number one, I have um, big ears. So um, it's really, really hard to find uh, headsets that actually work for, for big ears. And um, it, it's also like really hot. Um, I wish I had English weather at the moment, but it is 29 degrees Celsius in this room at the moment. So, which is why, and apologies for everyone watching me dab my sweat on my upper lip mm-hmm. for the last 40 minutes or so. Um, but yeah, no, no, the, these headphones work great. They're really affordable, sound really good. These are 50 millimeter drivers. So they, they reproduce a, a, a wide range of sound. I'm definitely highly recommended as an affordable solution for people who want a good headset. Okay, so just to recap, what was the name of that? Razer? Razer Black Shark V1s. The V2s are the latest iteration of this headset and okay that's good i'm gonna keep an eye on those because i'm looking for a nice pair of headphones i've looked at sennheisers and those out there but i'll see how that works out so i'm gonna say thank you very much Korean, for talking to me today it's been a nice selection of uh, topics we've covered is there anything else you'd like to add before we bring an end to the show um not at the moment i would say i would encourage people because i know a lot of people are looking at the news and stuff like oh my god what am i gonna do um Calm down, right? It's it is bad. Don't get me wrong, it is bad. But do your best, minimize the costs. And I know lots of people in the UK are doing that. Lots of people all over the world, right? You're eating cheaper, you're living cheaper. Hold on. Um, you know, focus on the good stuff. We'll, we'll get through this period in the world, one and, and a half years, maybe another one year, and it'll be throughout of you'll, you'll be it'll be done. And then you can start investing, you can start building up, you can, the job market will recover, you'll have more opportunities, and it'll be done, and you'll forget all about it, and we'll, the world will be in a better place. And there you go. That was Crean. Thank you very much for joining us in this episode, and you can find all the details in the show notes, all linked below, as well as a link to that site that you can look at if you are planning to travel and have a look at types of cover that would be available that you can look at. So I'm going to say thank you for this episode and we'll see you on the next episode of Zof Talks.